Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming back to you with another podcast after another Packers loss. Braun, eighth loss of the season. Packers are four and eight now. We saw Jordan Love come in at the end of this game. Is this the season's over at this point, right? Can we finally admit that? Have we gotten to that point, Braun? Well, we are. Uh, we are five games away from the end of the official season. Six weeks, five games, and Aaron Rodgers continues to hold out hope that if they can win five games in a row and get a little help, things start to get interesting. But it's hard to think of that a team that has won four games in twelve weeks can win five straight games. <laughs> But it is. we've we've seen crazier, right? So we'll see what happens. But uh, there are certainly some, until we see otherwise, you can start thinking about some other things. Uh, we have never been a part of this, Griff, me and you, hosting this show. We have only been a part of three 13-win seasons. Um, and we are sitting here now with four wins. And it is tough to continue to put on a brave face and talk to people about this horrible team. <laughs> it is. This is when we pivot, man. This is when we pivot and uh, we start talking about different matters and have a different tone, different outlook on the season. Because we're four and eight. The Packers, they've lost seven of their last eight games, if you can believe that. Their last eight games, they've only won one. They are one and seven over the last eight weeks. I mean, obviously the Packers aren't a great team, but God, can you believe they're that bad? One in seven over the last eight games? That is pathetic. And as you can probably tell, this team has gotten me quite sick, not only emotionally, but also physically now. They have uh, affected my immune system here, and now I'm sick because I've watched too many games of this Green Bay Packers team. I've watched them lose too many times. I mean, so on Sunday, Braun, I'm thinking about I know you and I, we were both confident that the Packers had a chance in this game. We were both confident that they would win this game, actually, Braun. And then it was like, it was around like uh, around 3 p.m. Eastern, and I'm watching the Dolphins game, and I'm thinking, wait a second, so the Packers are 4-7, and seven. even if they win tonight. We still have to win out. We still have to go to Miami on Christmas and play this t- this Dolphins team. And we have to win all five of our other games. Like, this is just not going to happen. Even if we win tonight, this is just not going to happen. And then we lose, of course. I- As I told you, Braun, last Thursday night against the Titans, that was kind of the game that made me lose hope. That was kind of the game to me that ended the season. So this loss against the Eagles didn't really hurt me too much. It didn't really hurt me too much. Um, How did you feel after this one? Yeah, I felt the same as every other week, just emptiness inside, numbness in my heart, and the ice is starting to thicken over the blood in my veins. (laughs) Oh my god. I'm in a lot of pain, Griff. (laughs) (laughs) We care too much. We care too much. Uh, that's our that's our fatal flaw. We care too much. We care way too much. You ever think about maybe we care more than some of these players do? I know I care more than Yash Nyman. <laughs> you know that for a fact? No, I'm Maybe, because I see some of these guys posting on Instagram after a loss, and I'm like, how do you do that? How do you like get on the plane and start posting pictures from game day when uh, you just lost? I wouldn't be doing that, but I think that is because, Braun, I think we care more than some of these guys. We care too much. Fatal flaw. So where do we even jump in with this game? Because this is our review show. If you're a new listener, we do two shows a week. We do a review podcast, and then we do kind of a therapy session where we uh, take in your voicemails. And if you want to leave a voicemail, you can call the number 920-430-0711. Wait for it to stop ringing, leave a voicemail, and we will probably put you on the show 
where uh, you can air out your opinions. You know, usually we've been doing those and the voicemails have been right after a game. And so it's been very <laughs> high emotions, very emotional voicemails. But it doesn't have to be that because, I mean, let's be honest, the season is probably over at this point. So if you want to leave a voicemail about what the Packers should do this offseason, who they should attack in free agency, who they should cut, which, which coaches or maybe coordinators specifically they should move on from. If you want to leave a voicemail relating to anything, any big picture stuff, we are now open to taking in. Uh, go ahead and call that number, 920-430-0711. Leave a voicemail, and uh, we will get to that on the next episode of this podcast. But for this podcast, it is the review show, and we still, even though we're 4-8, and eight, week 12, we still are reviewing these games. And the Packers, they lose to the Philadelphia Eagles 33-40. to I mean, like I said, it was a lot closer than a lot of people thought it would be. It was a really entertaining game, objectively, you know. Um, it was a very wild first half. At halftime, it was it was 20 to 20 going deep into the second quarter. But uh, the Eagles, of course, scored right before halftime. The Packers' defense is very good at allowing uh, touchdowns right before the end of either half. And so the the Eagles take the 27 to 20 lead into halftime. And then after that, it really never felt as close as it did. But early on, this was a very close game, Bron. Yeah, that the one the the one you're talking about that touchdown they allowed right before half. That was just such a killer. And that was Rasul, who allowed a few big catches, including a couple touchdowns in this game, and that's obviously uncharacteristic for him. But it's A.J. Brown, it's Devontae Smith. These guys are pretty good, and you have to give the Eagles offense credit because Jalen Hurts is very good, and he's throwing the ball well this year, obviously running it extremely well. And against the Green Bay Packers, historically, who have been maybe the worst defensive team in terms of stopping running quarterbacks, uh, and physicality, all of that. They just bullied us uh, on the offensive side of the ball for them. Our defense had nothing, uh, nothing to match any of it. And Miles Sanders was breaking tackles. Matt LaFleur said today that the Packers had over 20 missed tackles in this game. Pathetic. In a, You know, how many weeks in a row have you could been You could tell, saying, too. Yeah, you could very much tell. I could have told you that. I mean, and now you're sitting here, and how many games in a row have we said this is a must-win? And has Matt LaFleur said... Every time, and it's the most annoying thing, Griff, you sit after the game, after the loss, and you watch these press conferences, and Matt LaFleur said, obviously extremely disappointing, and then it's just like, man, it always starts with that. every week, and it's like, I don't know, what what is the message? Like, do these guys really believe in him, especially, you know, Joe Barry? And I'm worried, I have a lot of concern about the direction of the team. Uh, the one constant that you hope is that the quarterback position with Aaron Rodgers next year will be intact. And then the young receivers look look good uh, with Watson and Dobbs. And then you, you got guys that you like there a little bit that can be 3-4 type guys. And you want to add more to that room. Aaron Jones being there, A.J. Dillon still under contract. These things are encouraging, but um, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty. And, and the hands that those uncertainties fall in, are we 100% sure that they can you know take care of these mistakes that we've made this year and, and turn this team around? for next season. Yeah, I think we should be optimistic heading into this offseason because there was a lot of positives coming out of this loss to the Eagles. You know, the guys that you mentioned, Jonesy's still going to be here. Dylan's still going to be around. I'm assuming that we're still going to have Rodgers, although it's too it's too early to really comment on the quarterback position. 
But uh, and then the young guys, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. Those Christian Watson, man, he continues to score touchdowns. He had a what was it, a 65-yard touchdown, right, from Jordan Love in the fourth quarter, where he looks like he he runs like a deer, man. He just he's so much faster than anyone else on the field, and he is really coming into his own, and he's becoming the wide receiver that the Packers traded up for in the second round of this year's draft. And if he was able to have this kind of impact earlier on in this season, then who knows what the Packers record would be. Who knows where they would rank offensively in the NFL? Because, I mean, even even in losses, we scored 33 points on Sunday night, man. That's a season high. We scored 20 points in the first half. I think we had 14 points in the first quarter. Like, that is very rare for this team. They do not score a lot of points, and they look like a functional offense. And a lot of that has to do with the development of Christian Watson. And it's a shame that we're the season's pretty much all but over now because it really doesn't matter, but it does matter for next year. But it's a shame that it took this long, you know? I guess it's really the injuries. The injuries were really unfortunate for Watson, but it's definitely encouraging that he's uh, continuing to improve every single week. And it, that Dallas game... You know, we we didn't think it was a fluke, but there was a chance that that was just a fluke three-touchdown game, but he's proved two weeks in a row now that it wasn't. Yeah, Griffin, I think you talk about some of the things that maybe halted his emergence. One of those, obviously, being him dropping that touchdown week one. I think that objectively changes our season entirely because they go to him right away. He has all that confidence right away, and all of a sudden, Green Bay's got a wide receiver one against Minnesota where they broke the game open and probably win just based on the momentum and direction of that team and and the way we're headed after a play like that opens our season. I think our season is is similar to what it's been every year, and that's probably close to 13 wins, number one seed type of conversation. But the way that things went... um, (laughs) It's just the way... You You think that that much changes off of one catch? It Griff, I'm telling you, the passing offense confidence is through the roof. And then it's it, maybe that's a little maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but I feel like that's the way it works, Griff. It's just these little things here and there that I think it did matter. I think it did matter in terms of Watson's confidence because a lot of those drops we talk about this all the time, Bron. Drops are very much it's a mental thing. When you're thinking, I hope I don't drop this, don't drop this, don't drop this. That's when that's what usually leads to drops, you know. So or I even do think just something even to that. thinking just like I gotta catch it. It's not even just don't drop. It's like make sure that I catch this ball. It's not like a second nature thing. Yeah, it needs to be that's a mindless when you thing. Them. Right, right. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this team being a thirteen win, fourteen win type of team. If uh, if Watson catches that ball, because there's still a lot wrong with this team as we saw on Sunday. But Griff, there's been a lot wrong in these other years that we've been thirteen win teams. I feel like this is just the way that it goes. We make that play, and, and Christian Watson catches that ball. All of a sudden, we feel really good. This, and it's just that's what, it's the way it works, Griff. Christian Watson is our number one receiver right then, and not in week 11, 10, 9, when it starts to become a reality. And I think that changes our offense, and I think that changes the way we play. Aaron Rodgers' confidence in these rookies. All of these things, I think it, I think it maybe changes some things for us, and it certainly makes us a playoff team at least. You, you want to get into the specific number of wins conversation or whatever, but I definitely think that changes the direction of this team, and I think we're going to probably be having a different conversation if that was the case. Speaking of the young guys who uh, maybe gave you confidence on Sunday night, elephant in the room here, Brown, we have to talk about Jordan Love, 
because uh, if if you didn't know, which I'm sure I'm sure you do know, but Aaron Rodgers exits that game in the third quarter with an oblique injury. He's already dealing with a broken thumb. He he his last drive of the game after every single play, NBC was showing him, and he was in visible pain, wincing after every handoff, after every throw, after every drop back. He eventually heads to the locker room. Braun, we're on the phone saying, "Well, there's no way he's not coming back out here. Obviously, he's coming back out here." And then we see Jordan Love warming up on the sidelines when the offense is about to get the ball back. And we're like, oh my gosh, Aaron actually, he might be out of this game. And so Jordan Love comes in and he surprised me because Braun, I thought he was going to be a disaster. I really did. Judging by what we've seen of his career so far, judging by what we saw at practice this summer, I thought it was going to be a disaster. But he came in there and he played well. Yeah, he did, Griff. He made all those easy throws that you need him to make, especially when we are down and you want to try to get back in this football game and if there's a scenario where Aaron comes back or if not I mean the the key is to just go win the game however you can and he was asked to throw the ball a really a, I would say a large amount compared to what you would want a rookie I just called him a rookie but it's a, he's not a rookie he's a third year quarterback now but feels like he's a rookie still and uh he he came in there, and you don't expect to throw a backup quarterback in there and throw the ball as much as he did on that first and even the second drive, but they were down by two touchdowns, and that was what was needed. And guys got open. Matt LaFleur didn't ask him to do anything crazy. He threw the simple out route to Lazard for the third down and five conversion. He hits Christian Watson in stride for the touchdown, among other throws that were nice, simple, easy, and effective. And that's all you can ask of a backup quarterback to come in and be able to do. I thought he even looked well getting in and out of the pocket. He looked good stepping up in the pocket. He was aware. He was intelligent with his throws, and he didn't make any bad decisions. I would say in terms of progress or what you would want out of your backup, that's exactly what you want. So it was great to see him come in and do all that at a high level for us and give us a chance to get in the conversation and try to win that football game. Yeah, he gave us a chance to win it. He did, man. And he... Dropped back nine times, had nine attempts, no sacks in there. Completed six, He went six for nine. And the three incompletions, I think, I, he, he made nine good decisions, I would say. And the biggest thing coming out of the Week 9 game against the Chiefs last year, Jordan Love's only start of his career, and the, the first two preseasons of his career, well, really the only one preseason before this last preseason because 2020 was the COVID year, no preseason. But up to and until this preseason, my tune on Jordan Love has been... Okay, he comes in, and there's a lot of bad in there, which you can chalk up to. He's a young quarterback. He's learning. But my biggest issue was we hadn't seen any wow plays. We hadn't seen anything that made you say, oh, there's there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the league who can do that. You know, like his best plays were things that we see Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins and Mac Jones do all the time, you know. But this preseason... He played really well in the preseason, I thought, especially in that game against the Saints, I remember, in the rain. He was dropping dimes in that game. He was making throws that, Bron, we had just been at training camp for a week. We didn't see him make any kind of throws like that. We didn't. He lo- he played poorly at training camp, and then it's like something just clicked during the preseason, where all of a sudden, he starts playing really well. And then same thing against the Eagles. He comes in, and when you compare his performance against the Philadelphia Eagles to his performance against the Chiefs last season, it's really night and day, because there's no bad decisions in there. He handled pressure better. His footwork looked better. Him going through his progressions, just that, looked more natural. 
He looked like he had grown. And he showed flashes with getting out of the pocket. And that throw to Cobb in the red zone, that was amazing, dude. That was a great throw. He hit a cover two hole shot to Aaron Jones that Jones couldn't hang on to. That was another really great throw. That and was I'm one coming I was out of this most game, impressed with, I think. That was probably his, that was that was his bullet, most man. impressive throw because... Put, he put it right on Jonesy, and the whole shots are tough, especially the decision-making part of it, to try to decide you're going to fit that ball in there on a whole shot. We talked about that a lot last year with MVS, um, and, and these things now for Jordan to be able to do with the running back. Obviously, Aaron Jones is reliable catching the football, but um, didn't catch it there, but he made that decision, and it was quick, and that's the key. Like He has to make quick decisions, get the ball out of his hands, or step up out of the pocket and, and do what he has to do to, to try to make plays like he did at one point near the red zone. That wasn't completed, but again, good decisions, not putting the ball in harm's way. These are things we haven't seen Jordan do, and, and that's the thing. Like So to see him, although it was, like you said, he dropped back nine times. Like We have to see it consistently. We have to see it more often for any conversations to be had about, you know, long-term discussions. But this this was encouraging to see because we have not seen him play like that yet in three years of Packers football. So it's it's good to see for sure. It's definitely good to see. And I feel like we have to address our priors here, Ron, because similar to what we, what we were saying about Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Alan Lazard, it's like we go after these guys. We've gone after these guys this season. We've talked a lot of negative about those guys this season. But it's not really an indictment on like Christian Watson. We're not really we're not trying to complain about Romeo Dobbs the player. We're really complaining about the front office for putting a fourth round rookie in the position that Romeo was in this season. And it's really the same thing with Jordan Love because Obviously, we are Packers fans, and if Jordan Love is going to be the future quarterback for this team, we want him to be great. We want him to be the third and third Hall of Fame quarterback in a row for this franchise, of course. But really, Braun, I think you'll agree with me when I say this, our issue was with the drafting, the draft pick itself. We took major issue with that. And maybe we will be proven wrong if Jordan Love turns into Aaron Rodgers, but as judges of the process of that pick... I, I'm not going to change my mind on the fact that I think that was a bad draft pick. No, that nothing is going to change that, Griff, especially when they extended Aaron Rodgers. They conceded to the idea that Jordan Love is not as good as they would have hoped. By extending Aaron Rodgers and keeping him in Green Bay for pretty much as long as he wants at this point now, and that's, that's a great thing. I'm not complaining about that whatsoever, but the decision to make that pick... Uh, mortgaging the future by giving up a first round pick and a fourth round pick to get this quarterback that has not played. Uh, that is something that you would not expect Brian Gutekunst to do based on how much he values draft picks. And here we are, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the present and future for Green Bay. And we are sitting here with a quarterback who he may be good, he may not be good, but it doesn't really matter because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and they've made that decision already. And I don't expect them to pick up that fifth-year option because they'd be paying him $20 million and there's probably nobody in the NFL that would pay him anything more than a backup quarterback salary. I don't know if they're going to trade him. I don't know if they're going to keep him as their backup quarterback on a low salary, but there's really not many solutions to this problem. The decision's already been made. It's it's Aaron Rodgers for now and the future as long as he wants it. Um, if for some reason Rodgers decided to retire after this pathetic year, which I really have no indication or ex- expectation that that's going to happen, um, then maybe we could talk about Jordan Love being in the conversation to start. But again, has he shown enough to even start in the event that Aaron Rodgers is here? I'm not sure. And would he definitely start... 
Um, in any other scenario, I, I don't know. So these are the things that we have to go through. But right now, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. Next year, it will be Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. So that's where the conversation begins of what can you get for Jordan Love in a trade? What can he show that would make teams want to acquire him? Or is he willing to sit and be the backup on a lower salary in years to come? It's all going to be really interesting, which I think brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about here, Braun. So Rodgers is injured. We know that. He's got the thumb. He's got the oblique injury. Matt LaFleur says today that if he's healthy, even as the Packers sit at 4-8, and eight, Matt LaFleur says that if Rodgers is healthy, he will be the starter in Chicago this Sunday, week 13, as the Packers have four wins. I need to know your take on that, Bron, because I'll tell you my take. It's just, It's got to be Jordan Love time. It has to be Jordan Love time. See, I'm in agreement with the idea that Aaron Rodgers, as long as he's a Green Bay Packer, I would like to watch him play. I really don't care. Also, the one the one thing I would say from like a, a the standpoint of trying to see what makes sense for the overall team, to have Aaron Rodgers out there with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, hopefully coming back in the next couple weeks, some of these younger guys trying to see if they can gel a little bit more. Each game, it's getting better and better. And you want to have as much of that on tape and as many reps for those two guys as possible to get better with Aaron, to develop that connection, that trust. I think that's very important, especially going into next season. So that's something I would consider from a schematic standpoint or, or the, the standpoint of, like I said, trying to think about the football team. Um, but do you want to maybe just throw out the young kid and see what he can do? I mean, here's the problem, Griff. They already know what he can do because they made the decision to sign Aaron Rodgers to a large contract extension, and that, in essence, ended the likelihood of him. They know what he can do. My main point is they've seen it. We've, we watched it in a training camp. They've watched it for three years now. There's not much left for him to go and do, I feel like. It's just, will, can he get more reps on the field and in games? Yes, sure, but that's not going to change anything, really. So the only thing I would say is if Aaron Rodgers feels like he wants to take time to heal, which he'll get in the offseason regardless, and he'll be fine going into next year. If he for some reason doesn't want to play, then sure, Jordan Love can play. But as a Packers fan, I want to watch Aaron Rodgers play because, again, how many years does he have left? Who knows? I'd like to watch him play for as long as he can, as much as he can. Okay, so yeah, I understand that. I also love Aaron Rodgers. Of course, I want to see him play. Love watching him play football. But I don't know how many more 230-yard, two-touchdown, two-interception games I can take from him at this point. He's only putting himself at risk health-wise, and he's also only ruining his highest passer rating of all time NFL record as we continue here. He's at nine picks on the season. Braun, you remember earlier this year, I asked you, what, do you think Aaron throws double-digit interceptions this year? And you were like, no, there's no way he throws 10 picks. Well, he's at nine now. There's only so many more I can take, man. But obviously I'm being a a little, uh, I'm joking a little bit with that, but I get what you're saying about his connection with Watson and eventually working on his connection with Romeo when Romeo gets healthy. But I think it's much, much more important to find out for a fact to find out what you have in Jordan Love, because I think any quarterback would tell you, I think any athlete would tell you also that no reps are really going to replicate what you get from playing in a live game. I think that and Aaron says that preseason isn't as valuable as practice, and I think he would also tell you that practice is obviously not as valuable as live game reps in the regular season. And we've only seen, how many dropbacks did Jordan have against Kansas City last year? Probably 30, 40 maybe? Not that many. 
And we've seen quarterbacks before, like Jalen Hurts, who we who just looked like a like an MVP against us on Sunday night. We've seen Jalen Hurts. It takes a while for some of these guys. Jalen Hurts is in year three, drafted the same year as Jordan Love, and he looks like a completely different quarterback than he did even last year, you know? And all of that comes from the experience of playing quarterback in the NFL. The game slows down for these guys. It happens randomly, and there is reason to believe that it has happened for Jordan Love. Because when you just comparing him from last year to this year, he looks like a different player. And so you, I think if you are the GM of this football team, you need to know what he is. Because if you're going into an offseason where this offseason they're going to have to decide to pick up his fifth-year option or not... You really need to know whether he is going to be a future starter in this league or They're not. They're not doing it, Griff. There's no. I, I just don't see how they could make that kind of decision. They could probably justify... He, Jordan Love has no bounds for anything more than an average quarterback salary, and he would be getting upwards of $20 million. There's no way they do it. I, I just don't think there's even a conversation to be had at this point. He threw the ball six, what, nine times? How many times did he throw the ball? Nine times? Had six completions, the one drop, right, from Aaron Jones. He had a very good nine dropbacks. But the problem is, is he would get in these games, and he can do a good little bit for a little while, and we start to think he's competent. And then he'll throw a ridiculous pick. And then it's just, and that's the problem with these young quarterbacks, is you can do the, everybody can do the easy stuff at this level, Griff. All these guys, throughout the whole league, you have tons of guys that can do what Jordan Love did yesterday, and that's the that's the reality. Am I wrong there, Griff? No, and that's what I said last year, too. Right, so my point is that is, is nice to see because we haven't seen him do this in the regular season, right, which is very encouraging for his growth. But does this make him a starting caliber quarterback yet? Not to me because if he has 45 dropbacks or if he has less or whatever, how many throws is it going to take for you to, to – how many can he do where stretches like this where it's competence – and the easy stuff is getting done, and then he's making difficult throws, and he's not throwing interceptions. These are the things that we need to see. So to your point, if you want to see him drop back more, and if you want to see him do that, we're going to have to play him a little more often. But if they haven't made that decision already, it's an indictment on the front office and the coaching staff, I think. I think that decision's already been made internally. Um, but again, if you want, if you need to see more of it, sure, you throw him out there, but you also have to not take so much every fan is taking a lot from these nine plays that that Jordan Love had and the reality is is he's had similar stretches like this in preseason games even in training camp where he looks good makes the easy throws even does things to this level that we've seen but then he makes a bad really 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 bad throw and it ruins everything it ruins the whole drive and every good little thing he did just went to waste we need to see more consistency, and hopefully he gets there if he gets the opportunity with the injuries to Aaron and whatnot. And that was what was so frustrating about being at training camp this year. It's like he would have a really, really good practice, and Braun were like, wow, he's looking really sharp today. You know, nothing extraordinary, but just being on time, playing in rhythm, you know, no major mistakes. And then at the end of every practice period, we'd get to the two-minute drill, and he would just throw the worst interception you've ever seen. So I get what you're saying, but I would not have... My tune would be the same if he didn't come in at all against the Eagles. Because we're 4-8, and eight, 
And if you're the if you're running this team, if you're in charge of building this roster, there's no reason to play Aaron Rodgers. There's not. Because he's only going to get you a worse draft pick, first of all, and also you know what he is, and you know he's probably going to be here next year. Jordan Love, you don't know 100% who he is as a player, and there's nowhere to go but up for him, you know? And if he sucks, well, guess what? We're looking at a top eight pick, so it's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal either way. So, Griff, when you look at the way the offense played in this game, and, and then we'll go to the defense, I thought A.J. Dillon had maybe his best game since week one, if not better than that. He he had the big run for the touchdown, which we've been waiting for him all season to do something like that, uh, like he did in Tennessee in 2021. And just like those things where he breaks away on a big run, like we haven't seen, but he looked a little more explosive in this game, which was encouraging to see. Um, Aaron Jones continues to make plays. He had the touchdown catch as well. Uh, just and, and then Aaron Rodgers, I thought, apart from the two interceptions, played really, really well. And those are the things that sucks is it, he's getting hurt and he's banged up, but he's still making a lot of throws. But then there's those couple throws here and there that – that bit, that bit Green Bay, and that's happened kind of on a consistent basis. Um, but I still have a lot of confidence in Aaron, and I feel good about Jordan Love coming in in short bursts and being a strong backup option. He gave us a chance to win. Um, offensive line could have played better, especially when Aaron was in there. Yash allowed four pressures, other guys, sacks, things like that. But you put up 33 points on the number one seed in the NFL. It's, you can't ask for much more. And I, I guess I'll let you address, Griff, why the defense allowing 40 points was the main reason why Green Bay wasn't able to bring this one in. Before I get to that, A.J. Dillon, he did look really good on Sunday night. And it's it was nice to see him like actually getting through the first and second level of a defense because for as big as he is it's rare to see him really break past that first contact and he actually only has 15 forced missed tackles on the season which is 35th in the NFL amongst all running backs so for a guy that big only 15 missed tackles not great you know what else isn't great that that Packers defense and Braun you said it on the phone so eloquently it's like every every single week this season, we're coming out of the game thinking, this is one of the worst performances we've seen since the 2016 NFC Championship game against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, this is one of the worst Packers defenses that we've seen in a long time. God, they suck, man. They suck. They can't tackle. Matt LaFleur said they missed 20 tackles. Yeah, it really looked like it because on every single play, they just someone throwing their body at a guy. I mean, the guy that really stands out, it's so weird being at this point in the season, Braun, because like you said, we haven't been at this point as podcasters. At this point in the season, we're talking about playoff seeding and how we're going to get the first round by, you know. This is really uncharted waters for us, man. But but it's so hard at this point to come out of these games with any like big generalizations to make about the defense because it's we've lost, we're 4-8, and eight, it's week 12, we know they're not as good as we hoped they would be. So I guess really there's only, if I want to highlight one player, it would have to be Adrian Amos because he's the, the, the guy coming out of this game that really stood out to me as he has not been as good as we may have hoped he would be coming into the season. He's not as good. He hasn't been as good this season as he has been the last three years that he's been in Green Bay. Um, he looks like Kevin King out there. He looks like he's so flat-footed, and you give him a little hezzy, you give him a little juke, and it looks like he's standing in cement. Like he's he just, taking some he of the looks worst like angles he's... on tackles. I mean, this is the, this is the stuff we talked about with Haha. He looks like Haha, the way he was playing at the end of his tenure in Green Bay. Uh, just like you said, flat-footed in the horrible angles and just the the reaching and uh, it's like man, he, I don't know what it is. 
this is what Bears fans saw at the end of his tenure in Chicago, I think, and, and that's kind of what led the Chicago Bears to not bring him back in free agency. And he signed with us, had a really good stretch of seasons, and he just played well. And now he just doesn't look like he has it anymore. I don't know what it is. That explosiveness is gone. He could still hit hard, and, and that's the reality with him is he's always been a hard hitter, but um, the, it's still just he's not that explosive, fast guy that you would like him to be, especially when he's playing free safety. A lot of the time he's that number one guy. And if he's in the box too, it's just he hasn't been good enough, and he was getting juked left and right by Jalen Hurts and other guys out there and we talked about this one play Griff and we'll get into Joe Barry I'm sure at some point a little more in depth but there was on on the drive before half where they scored the touchdown it was it was looking good to me the the alignment because I'm always looking at how many guys Green Bay has lined up on the line of scrimmage and then I'm going straight to what the matchups are from cornerback to wide receiver and it was Jair on AJ Brown and I was excited about that, but then they shift Quez Watkins to the outside, and because of the scheme play call by Joe Barry, Jair now moves to the outside, and it's Quez Watkins. And what do we know? It's it's Adrian Amos, the safety, on A.J. Brown, one of the best wide receivers in football. By the way, who was traded, a veteran receiver traded for this past offseason, which Green Bay did not do, so thank you, Brian, once again. Just a lot of things coming into this one play here, but uh, Adrian Amos, the safety, lined up against A.J. Brown, third and six. This is a pivotal point in the game. We're trying to win this one. In fact, we have a tie game going into half, looking to get the ball, hopefully having it still tied, but instead, this is a third and six, and it's converted, and then they just continued to go down the field and score a touchdown right before half, and... It, it was a game changer because we never were quite able to get that lead back for sure and we would have liked to have the ball with a tie game obviously didn't happen that's one of the reasons why we lost by seven points uh, so just disappointing stuff all around on that play from Amos Barry even throw Brian Gutekunst in there as well <laughs> Brian Gutekunst looked terrible on that play man <laughs> Uh, this defense, it's the run defense for the one billionth year in a row. The run defense has been just a disaster this season. We thought that was a trend that would go away, but it hasn't gone away, and the Eagles made us look silly. I mean, the tackling is just terrible. There were 11 guys who had at least one missed tackle, including Darnell Savage, who played one snap. He had a missed tackle on his only snap of the game. God, dude, there's a bunch of guys. I mean, I'm looking at the PFF grading right now from this game, and there's a bunch of red, meaning like <laughs> terrible grades. We've got Quay Walker in the 30s, Isaiah McDuffie, Chris Barnes, they're both in the 20s, Dean Lowry at 30.4. Ugh, this defense, man, what happened? Remember the hopes we had for them. One of the worst things, too, is we always talk about how Devontae Wyatt is barely seeing the field, and we saw this another time at some point earlier in the season. I'm not sure who it was. But Jalen Hurts had escaped up the middle through the pocket for like the 18th time, and Devontae Wyatt was in the game, and he is obviously a massive D-tackle, right? And he's just so fast, though, too, and that's the thing about him. He's such an athletic freak that he chased down Jalen Hurts and only allowed him to gain about eight yards. And, and if that was anybody else, literally anybody else on our team, there was times where Jerron Reed looked like he couldn't even touch Jalen Hurts if he wanted to, if Jalen Hurts was running half his speed. I mean, yet Devontae Wyatt, coming from the D-tackle position, 
turns around and chases Hertz down and brings him down. And I'm like, why was he not in the game before? He's the, clearly the fastest guy we have on the defensive line. And here we are. He's a rookie. He's still barely playing. And we're sitting here in week 13 and they have nothing else to, to why, why not play him? Because he's been productive when he comes in and he's a difference maker, I would say, even though he plays about six snaps a game at best. And he did this at one other point this year, too, against these running quarterbacks. And you'd think they'd like to get a guy who is just as big as their other guys, if not bigger, but a better athlete and a faster athlete than the guys that they have out there, like Jaron Reed, who really can't run anything near what Jalen Hurts could do. And once he was in, and finally you saw what, what that was like. And these are the decisions that make no sense to me on a consistent basis from the coaching staff. And that starts with Joe Barry. Devontae Wyatt played 20 snaps. It's week 12, and Devontae Wyatt is still a rotational defensive lineman. For comparison, Dean Lowry got 39 snaps out there. Jaron Reed got 46 snaps. Oh, my uh, gosh. What is, what is Dean Lowry bringing to the table that Devontae Wyatt can't replicate? At least Devontae's giving you the upside, you know? At least you're getting some development with every snap from Devontae. Dean, we know what Dean Lowry is. We know for a fact what he is, which is a below-average defensive lineman. He is the, I'm he's really, the equivalent of... He is everything that this Packers defense over the last five years represents. Purely average. And they continue <laughs> on a consistent basis to throw him out there. And when he is no longer on this football team, I might finally have some hope about this defense because they're just so complacent with the guys that they have in some of these spots. Dean Lowry is the prime example of that. And I would just like to see them make that move to signify that there's change coming. I mean, we should just be grateful that Tyler Lancaster isn't on this team this year because we know he'd be getting snaps. He'd be getting more snaps than uh, Devontae Wyatt at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's just another one of these guys like they do this every year at that position, and I'm just sick of it. Jaron Reed is the new Tyler Lancaster, even though he was supposed to be a big free agent signing. He hasn't been very productive. He's made a couple plays this season, but again, none of these guys have any reason to be getting more playing time than Green Bay's first-round pick in this draft. I think the biggest problem with this defense overall since Rashawn Gary went down has been the pass rush because uh, every single week, man, for three weeks in a row now, with these games, we've just been watching the quarterbacks stand in the pocket with just all day long to throw, and it's so infuriating. No, there's nothing worse than that, really. Like, it reminds me of the the worst Packers defenses that you can remember. 2016, where we've got Nick Perry with a club on his hand and Clay Matthews, who wasn't having a great season. It, there's just no pass rush whatsoever, and Matt Ryan's standing in there throwing it to Julio over Ladarius Gunter. It was kind of like that, where we've got... Preston Smith on the one edge, and Kingsley Anigbare on the other edge, and Jaron Reed, and Kenny Clark, who's being double-teamed, and Jalen Hurts has about five seconds before he even, even has to think about taking off, and then he gets 17 yards off of that. I mean, it's just so annoying, man, and that's the problem with this defense. I think that has been one of the more disappointing aspects, especially, you know, other than Rashawn Gary, who was having a phenomenal season. He covered up for a lot. He really did. Because when you double-team Kenny Clark, it's the same thing as it's been for the past four seasons, as long as we've been doing this podcast, Bron. When you double-team Kenny Clark up the middle, there's no other interior defensive lineman that you really have to worry about. And that's still true this year. We thought Devontae Wyatt would change things there, but he can't even get on the field. So, nope, that's still true. And, I mean, I never... This is a stat I've had in the pocket that I never got to bring up on either of the shows last week, but... When we blitzed Ryan Tannehill last Thursday night, 
when we lost to the Titans. Ryan Tannehill went 14 of 15 for 232 yards and a touchdown when blitzed last week. I mean, that's that's just insane. That is literally insane. He threw one incompletion on 15 attempts against the Blitz last week. Jalen Hurts was not as successful against the Blitz, but I mean, we didn't really make him pay for it when we blitzed him because uh, he was still. <laughs> they still scored 40 points and we blitzed 16 times. And every single, it doesn't matter if we're blitzing, it doesn't matter if we're rushing four or if we're rushing five. The quarterback has a clean pocket to stand in and go through his reads. One of the guys I was most impressed with was Justin Hollins, who was there at practice for a day, not being coached by Joe Barry, and he came out, played aggressive, physical, and wasn't afraid to get in the face of Jalen Hurts and make plays in the running game. I was impressed by him, and it was exciting to see a guy come in like that, and hopefully he can be one of those number three or four edge rushers for Green Bay, even next year, because he was good for the Rams, and they cut him for whatever reason, just like they cut Daryl Henderson, who was their starting running back all season. Um, the Rams made some interesting moves. Green Bay capitalized by bringing Hollins in, and he's now, he can be a consistent rotational guy for Green Bay in this defense moving forward, I think. So I thought that was encouraging to see. If only we were, uh, if, if only we weren't four and eight, you know, if we weren't four and eight, this would be something that excites you. This would be like a Whitney Merciless type of thing, but instead it's, uh, just, it's, <laughs> It's, it's nothing, Broad. What do we do here? What are we even talking about, man? We're four and eight. We're getting excited over Justin Hollins for no oh, reason. Oh, I'm not. I'm certainly not excited. Certainly not. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I am. In, I am infuriated with this franchise and everything <laughs> from top to bottom. But we have to point out some positives, otherwise we just sit here crying. And maybe I don't know who. People, maybe people want to listen to that instead. I don't know. We can That's arrange what that. Therapy's probably. for you. Listen yeah. to other well, no, people. You'll get cry. that next week. This is the. This is the positive version of what we get i guess then we listen to yeah. you guys cry and then 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 we'll figure it out <laughs> that helps us um well, where do we go from here man home Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like we touched on pretty much anything that is uh important coming out of this game because season's over folks not officially not mathematically eliminated but Four and eight. Uh, I'm I'm done hoping. I was done hoping. I was done really hoping coming into this game, but uh, now I'm really I'm completely done hoping now. Eight losses. That's not good enough to make it to the playoffs. And like you said, Braun, this team has shown nothing to make you think that they can win two in a row, let alone four in a row. Five in a row would have to be. Yeah. So uh, that's gonna do it for this show. Stay tuned for our next episode of the podcast, where we will be going through all of your voicemails. Which, by the way, if you don't remember the number, it's nine two zero four three zero zero seven one one. Call that number. Leave a voicemail. And uh, you could get featured on the show, which we will be discussing your takes, listening to your opinions, you know, answering your questions, whatever it may be. Call that number. Leave a voicemail. Get featured on the show and let it all out because that is uh, that's the point of the show after all. So if you've listened this far, thank you. Uh, it's been a tough season, but I still enjoy doing these podcasts, Braun. I, I'm sure you feel the same. So Can't say uh, I do, but sh- I get your sentiment. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Be <laughs> no, sure to uh, rate us five stars. <laughs> of course, I know. I'm I know. Be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes, Spotify. Leave a review on uh, leave a review on iTunes. Give us feedback in the Instagram DMs at Today in Titletown. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers. Follow Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And uh, that's gonna do it. So stay tuned for the next episode. Turn on the notifications so you get notified when that comes out. And uh, yeah, that's everything. I mean, four and eight, but still, go pack go. Thank you for listening, everybody. As always and forever, go pack go. Hey.